Friends, good morning. Good morning and welcome to worship at Pleasant Street Christian Forum Church. Uh, welcome to those of you who are visiting. On behalf of all of us, my name is Matthew. I'm the senior pastor here. So glad to have you joining us in person or online simultaneously or after the fact today. Uh, and you'll notice the fans are on. We've changed attire. I suppose we've gone into summer mode as a congregation. And if, if you are new, we recognize that these fans might be a new addition. Just imagine that as the winds of the Spirit blowing over you. Um, we'll get used to it, but it is, in all seriousness, quite warm. And so remember that if you need to get up and get yourself a drink of water, there's a faucet in the kitchen. There's cups is there as well. Please, please do that. We want you to, uh, to be comfortable. You may have noticed that the uh, in fact, the temperature out there and in here is, is quite different. In fact, there's also seating in there as well. So, you know, I wonder what we could do with that. And it's, that's, but, it, but seriously, you know, it's, it's a good reminder for us that by air conditioning half the church and, and not the other half, it's a reminder, you know, that uh, we live between two ages, right? The already and the not yet, right? We are simultaneously justified and sinners, right? I could keep going. I won't. Anyway, uh, well, however you are joining us today, this morning, when we worship, we do so using a printed liturgy, and that holds the things that we sing and say together, and worship is something that we do together. Not only that, but we serve together, and so I want to highlight for you one announcement about Vacation Bible School, which is coming up in July. Kate has uh, volunteer registration forms on the entry table that you passed on the way in the air-conditioned area. So if you'd like to linger there in the AC and pause for a minute and mull over what ways you might be able to serve for VBS this summer, feel free to, to do that. Last air conditioning joke, I promise. Friends, uh, when we worship, uh, we do so in the presence of God. And so I'd invite you to rise and body your in spirit. Join me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would fill our worship with grace, that every thought, word, and deed may be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Friends, in the presence of God, let's worship. Good morning. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. These words are from Psalm 150, and they give us reason to celebrate. We sing to worship a risen Savior, a Savior who gave himself to a cross, died, and rose again, that we would have life and have it abundantly. Join us this morning as we worship together. Oh 
that you've done for me.
Merciful God, in your presence, we confess our shortcomings and sinfulness and your offers against, against you. We often repeat the same sins over and over again. Have mercy on us. You alone know we've wasted your gifts, forgotten your love, and wandered from your ways. Forgive our sins and help us to live in your light and walk in your ways for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy. Please continue in silent confession. Friends, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord has patience with us and is a beacon of light in our darkest times. To all who humbly seek the mercy of God, I say, in Jesus Christ, your sin is forgiven. Thanks be to God. Please rise as we continue with worship.
is with you. Take a moment to just pass the peace to your neighbor. Good morning. Could all my friends who are joining us for Kid Street come on up? Preschool through second grade. People of God, what is our prayer? Lord, continue to show us your wonderful, never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Brett Buma. I'm one of the elders here at Pleasant Street, and it's my privilege to lead us in prayer this morning. Uh, so would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we offer our prayers together now, uniting our voices with Christ who perfects our prayers. Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, we give you praise for who you are and what you've done for us. You've reconciled us to yourself through your son, Jesus Christ, and we give you thanks and praise for this. Lord, we are glad to be in your house this morning to worship you. Spirit, we ask that you will fill this place with your presence and bless us here. Bless those who are watching from home and bless those who would so much like to be here with us but are, are unable to do so due to infirmity or illness. Jesus, remember, we, uh, remember your ascension into heaven that's um, being celebrated soon. You now sit at the right hand of the Father and we know that you hear our prayers and you intercede for us. Lord, we live in a broken and sinful world we know that you are in control. Almighty God, we pray that you will grant wisdom and compassion and humility to all those who hold public office at the local, state, and federal level. May they serve well in the roles that you put them in, and may they seek to do your will as they serve. Father, we pray for that you'll be with our first responders, law enforcement officials, uh, firefighters, EMT, paramedics, give them the strength and courage they need as they serve us in our communities. And we thank you for the gifts that you've given to them. We pray for our students who are finishing up the school year. Be with them in the work that they need to complete and the exams that they need to take. Limit their stress and anxiety in these final days of the school year. Lord, we pray that you'll be with our elders and deacons as they serve our congregation. Grant them Wisdom in the decisions that they make and help them to discern your will. And may they have joy in this service. Father, we rejoice with Ron and Marilyn DeVries, who celebrated 63 years of marriage last week, and rejoice with, with John and Don and Steve and Ruth, who will be celebrating more than, 50, more than 40 years of marriage this week. Lord, we pray that you will protect and strengthen our marriages. Gracious Father, we ask a blessing for those who um, are struggling with health issues. And we thank you that Deb V had successful surgery this week 
and we pray that she will have a quick recovery. We ask that you'll limit the, the pain that Audrey is having, and we, we thank you that Rick and Leanne are doing well and that Donna is recovering from knee surgery. And we also ask that you will be with the Schneider family uh, as they mourn the loss of Scott's dad. Father, we pray for all those who are struggling with illnesses or pain um, or depression, anxiety, grief, loneliness at this time. Lord, give them a blessing and strengthen them and grant them the peace that surpasses all understanding. Living God, we thank you for your word. Spirit, we pray that you will be upon Pastor Matthew as he brings your word to us this morning. Give us open minds and open hearts to hear what you speak through him. And Father, set our minds upon Jesus. Help us to be salt and light in this world this week. And may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. We pray this all in the name of our ascended Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Brett. This morning's scripture is from the book of John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 25. I'll be reading from NIV. Uh, this section is titled, Jesus Reinstates Peter. And it follows, since we're picking up kind of in the middle of a chapter, what immediately preceded it, uh, Jesus' appearance to the disciples while they were fishing, kind of like throw your net on the other side of the boat, and then they caught some fish. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had learned, who had leaned back against Jesus in the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that the disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. We've been with the Gospel of John since Christmas. Today we come to the end of the story. Would you pray with me? Resurrected Lord. This morning some of us have wandered in here not quite sure why. Some of us have come with purpose and intention because we are hungry and tired. 
and we know that this is a place for rest and nourishment. Some of us are somewhere in between. And so, however we find ourselves in this room this morning, we ask that you would come and find us, that we might hear you calling our name, that you might draw near for conversation, for fellowship. for a new reason to live. Thank you for John's story. As he turns it towards us, we recognize that the story has continued, that it's touched even us. And so we ask that you would do that again by your spirit now. We are hoping to find you. Amen. Of all the ways that John might end this incredible story about Jesus, the gospel ends with some disciples around a campfire. Around this fire of burning coals, there's breakfast and fellowship and love. Campfires can be like that for us too. There are often places of warmth on a cool day and fellowship in a cold world. They are places where we remember. I was once on a cadet camping trip, and that year, one evening, we gathered around a campfire, and the boys had just ingested entirely too much chocolate. Graham crackers are a vehicle for chocolate. We hadn't even built a fire yet. They ate all the chocolate. (laughs) We needed something to do, a way to burn off that energy, so we made a fire. They needed something to do, so we said, go get a stick. Everybody went and got a stick. What are we going to do with the stick? We're going to put the sticks in the fire, which is what everyone wants to do. But we told them that when you put the stick in the fire, there was a string attached. You had to say something when you put the stick in the fire. Taking a cue from Psalm 136, you had to remember something that God had done in your life in the last year. And you had to say what that thing was, and then you put your stick in the fire, and then we would all say together, give thanks to the Lord, for His love endures forever. Well, each boy had something to say. I am thankful for my teachers. His love endures forever. I'm thankful for my new bike. His love endures forever. Campfires are places of fellowship and memory. Then one person stood up and he said, I am thankful that my son is not in jail anymore. His love endures forever. And the group went silent for a moment because campfires are places where we remember, but it can be hard to remember. In John 21, the disciples sit around a fire of burning coals, and by all accounts, they are enjoying themselves immensely. There's fish over a fire. It's a tangible sign of grace. Jesus has prepared something exactly tailored to what they need in the moment. The disciples have been out fishing all night. They are surely tired and hungry and cold after being out on the water and catching nothing until the end. But on this cool early morning when they land on the beach, everything is already done. Jesus has the fire going and he's already prepared some fish. Why that fire must have seemed like the best thing in the world to cold, wet disciples, but maybe not to Peter. Because they are having a nice breakfast, but Peter is reliving a war. Some things are hard to remember. Around this fire, Peter is remembering the worst day of his life. Because the last time that he was around a fire, this kind of fire, a fire of burning coals, 
He denied Jesus three times. Friends, it can be hard to remember. You know, the only other time that John uses this specific word for a fire of burning coals, it only comes up twice in John. It happens here in John 21 and the other places in John 18. In John 18, where Peter was warming his hands outside by the fire while Jesus was across the courtyard being examined by the high priest. And the way that Peter... The way that John set up that scene in John 18, Peter's conversation around the fire, is happening at the same time that Jesus is being questioned about his disciples and his teachings. Inside, Jesus is being interrogated by the religious authorities. And outside, Peter is interrogated around the fire. In a way, they're both on trial. Peter warms his hands around the fire with officials and servants. A servant girl asks in the dim, flickering light, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? I am not. Meanwhile, inside, Jesus answers the high priest's question, and he is slapped in the face. Outside, Peter is still warming his hands, and the group in the courtyard asks for a second time, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? I am not. And then one of the servants of the high priest challenges Peter. He says, yeah, didn't I see you in the garden? And Peter denies ever having been anywhere close to the garden. Three times they call him a loyal follower of Jesus. Three times Peter says, no, I am not. I am not. I was not even there. And at that moment, the rooster crowed and Peter, Peter remembered. He remembered all those times that he promised nothing but the deepest loyalty to Jesus. All those times Peter swore that he would be right by his side, come what may. May it not be so, Lord. I will go with you, Lord. Who is it that's going to betray you, Lord? I'll get him. That time in the upper room, Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will sell out. And he did. Palms extended out in the flickering light. I wonder if Peter noticed that Malchus' blood the servant whose ear he cut off is still on his hands. Like the guilt that won't wash away, Peter can't seem to clean his conscience. Because here we are weeks later, and Peter is around a fire of burning coals, and he is no doubt lost in the memory of that other fire. Remembering all of this, maybe Peter asks himself, how is it that a person can go from defending your dearest friend in the world to abandoning that friend in the same night? How could I pledge my willingness to shed blood to protect Jesus and not 12 hours later disown him to protect myself? Friends, it can be hard to remember for us too. For us too. Because memory is long and there are things back there that come unbidden. Some of the worst days of our lives are back there. The way we treated the kids. The words we still hear coming out of our mouths and the look on the face of our spouse when they were received. The moment that was ripe for discipleship in the public square at work or in the classroom or at school in which we didn't bring forth iridescent faith, but we collapsed in anonymity and unbelief. That question from the servant girl, it still burns. You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? And you know, she made it easy for Peter, didn't she? She didn't say, I bet you are a disciple. And she didn't say, are you a disciple at face value? No, she asked, you aren't one too, are you? She asked it in a way that made the negative response, that made the no just that much easier. Why, no, I am not. 
I am not a disciple. And friends, this is what guilt does. It paralyzes us. It makes us feel as though we are all but unqualified to carry the name of Jesus or anything at all. And memory can last a long time. It has been weeks since Jesus was raised from the dead, but Peter still seems haunted by that night as if it was yesterday. Maybe this is why he went fishing. Because he thought that having blown it so publicly after committing himself so publicly, maybe this is all he has left. All those dark events were weeks ago now, and with Jesus raised from the dead, what happened on Good Friday, it seems like it should be a world away. Jesus was resurrected, and everything's different now. Everything's okay, right? Right? Yet around the fire, those distant memories of Peter's inadequacy and his guilt, they come flooding back clear as day at a breakfast of burning coals. Jesus seems to notice here on the beach that Peter is lost in thought far away. Maybe he hasn't touched his fish much. Well, they've finished eating and the conversation dims. And Jesus, around the fire of burning coals, he calls Peter by name. He calls him by his old name, Simon son of John. Well, that was the name that Peter went by before he met Jesus. That is the name that represented his life before Jesus, his old life, his past life, Simon, son of John. Do you love me? Do you love me? Actually, Jesus asks, do you love me more than these? These what? These, these, these fish? This life of fishing? Is Jesus asking if Peter loves him more than his fishing buddies? No. What Jesus is asking Peter is, do you love me more than they do? Jesus is asking if Peter still thinks of himself as the most devoted. He's asking if Peter still evaluates his worth on whether or not he is the first to say yes. Do you still think that you love me the most? Peter based his life on being able to be the one who loved Jesus the most. He based his life on being the smartest, the most loyal. Peter set his watch by being there when Jesus needed him, the most important, the good guy, the healthy one, the wise one, the responsible one. And Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And by the third time, Peter is hurt. Because the further he goes, the less sure he is. And he can't say with certainty how much affection he actually has for Jesus. The fire of burning coals, the conversation, the threefold question, it brings it all back. His inadequacies and his naive boasting. He thought he was the best. And when it counted, he folded like a deck of cards. We understand this hurt. Each of us carries history that we'd rather not come to light. Each of us is haunted and hunted by things that live in the past that we can't quite be free from no matter how far we go or what we change. Each of us carries guilt. And that is why it is very good news that Jesus stokes the fire of burning coals this morning. Because Jesus can see that we are lost in our thoughts too. And so Jesus is the one who draws Peter to the beach to breakfast and to this very uncomfortable public conversation in front of his friends 
where they confront a past that he cannot deny. I think it was Calvin who asks, why does Jesus bother to do this? Is it for Jesus' sake? No, it is for Peter's. Friends, in the final scene of the gospel, Jesus makes a fire and brings Peter there. And this is the last story that John tells us. Think about that for a second. The resurrection is not the last thing. This is. In John 20, they get good news. Resurrection light comes from the tomb. It changes everything. The disciples are given proof of it, and Jesus breathes his spirit on them, and he gives them a job to go and tell people about how the world is different. Go as the Father has sent me. I'm sending you. Go to work on Monday. Go into all the world with the good news. John 20 is full of good news, but they need more than news. John would have us see in John 21 that it's not enough to go with good news. John also wants us to see that it's how we carry it. Gospel news, it it can't run on an old human motivation like guilt or comparison or fear or despair. Those are the things that the world runs on. And Jesus says, my kingdom doesn't operate the way that the kingdoms around here do. And so Jesus brings resurrection news to Mary who is despairing and to John and to Peter who are competing with each other to be the best, to disciples who are locked up in fear and cannot leave the room, and now to Peter who is racked by his own guilt. Jesus brings the good news to Peter's guilt. It's the only way that he can be free to live and proclaim good news. Because otherwise, every time he is around a fire of burning coals and he comes across a burning fire, there will be this paralyzing reminder that he failed. The good news runs on joy. It runs on peace. It runs on devotion to God. And the only way that it can do that is if Jesus heals our guilt. But whereas we might pretend that it didn't happen... Jesus does something different. He names Peter's guilt, and he forgives it. Three times, Jesus prompts Peter's honest and humble confession of trust. Do you love me? Peter does not say, I am sure that I love you. He says, you know. You know Only you know, Lord. And three times Jesus gives Peter a charge to feed and care for his people by following Jesus. The man who has denied Jesus the most and most publicly is now given a job to do. Peter, take real good care of the people that I have put in your life as an act of devotion to me. And then even when Peter gets momentarily distracted by the fate of John, who is following behind them, Jesus graciously says, Peter, don't worry about him. You follow me. Follow me. Even as you age and as you become irrelevant to the world, even as your world gets smaller and not larger, even as your aches and pains and suffering grow, even when you go home, and they dress you and feed you and take away your car keys, even when you are no longer allowed to leave unattended, even then follow me, because I know the way to the other side of death. Follow me. All of this happens around a fire of burning coals. Jesus takes a symbol of Peter's inadequacy and his guilt, and he transforms it into a sign of God's abundant forgiveness. Kind of like what Jesus did with a cross. A cross on which the Son of God is lifted up wearing our guilt and our shame, naming them for what they are, and the result of it is unbelievable. Forgiveness for us. And now by grace, our sins are as far as east is from west. And in the space between them, God has opened to us a new future that is 
as wide and long and high and deep with the love of God in Christ Jesus. Craig Barnes wrote this. He said, Jesus told his disciples to put their hands to the plow and not look back. Faith means that we dwell neither on our glory days nor on our pain and disappointments and confessed sins. The only time that the Bible ever calls the gathered community to look back is to remember the faithfulness of God. And that is so that we will be free to move forward, believing that God will also be faithful in the challenges that lie ahead. When the preacher Fred Craddock first became a pastor, he served a little village church with an Easter season tradition of gathering around a fire. It was the custom in that church at Easter to have a baptismal service. And his church immersed, and it was held at the Watts Bar Lake on Easter evening at sundown. And out on the sandbar, he and the candidates for baptism moved into the water, and then they moved across the shore where the little congregation was gathered, singing around the fire and cooking supper. And as the candidates for baptism moved in from the water, they changed their clothes, and then they moved the fire to the fire in the center. And after everyone had finished and they were all gathered around the fire, Glenn Dickey, it was always Glenn, he introduced the new people. He gave their names and where they lived and what they did for work. And then the rest of the church formed a circle around them while they stayed warm at the fire. And the ritual there was that each person on the outer circle would give his or her name And then they would say this, my name is, and if you ever need, if you ever need someone to do the washing and ironing, my name is, if you ever need somebody to chop wood, my name is, if you ever need somebody to babysit, my name is, if you ever need somebody to sit with the sick. And then they all ate. And then they had a square dance. And at a time that they all knew, Percy Miller, with thumbs in his bibbed overalls, would stand up and he would say, time to go. And everybody would leave. And Percy Miller would linger behind. And with his big shoe, he would kick sand over the dying fire. And that first year, he saw Fred standing there still, and he looked at him, and he said, Craddock, folks don't ever get any closer than this. Fred Craddock says that in that little community, they have a name for that. I've heard it in other communities too, actually. In their community, their name for that is church. They call it church. We know that name. Church is the community of those who have been warmed by the fires of God's love. The community of those who went into the water and came back up out of the water with their guilt washed away. Church is the community that dances and gives itself in great glorious freedom. Because church is a community, a society, a people who only ever look back in order to see all that God has given. And so we are a people who even now Put our hands to the plow and look ahead to the one who calls us. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Give thanks to the Lord.
His love endures forever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Holy One, gathered here, we are in your presence. When we arrived, we joked about being both sinner and saint. And yet for each and every one of us, it rings true. There is something old in us, and there is something new. And in this community, in the power of your Spirit and the freedom that you have won for us, we ask that you would put to death that which is old and gone and dead so that we might together rise to new life and follow you. Amen. When we gather for church, God shows up, sometimes in strange or mysterious or unlikely ways. And as a community, not only do we receive this together, but we take opportunities to talk about how God is showing up. One of the ways that we do this, it's our practice for our ECHO students to have an opportunity to discuss what they're noticing and hearing and observing in church together, together with our leaders. And so I'd like to invite our third through fifth grade students to come forward because we would like to dismiss you to this work, even as we continue it ourselves. People of God, what is our prayer? Almighty and loving God. to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. We continue our response to God together both by lifting up our voices through the, the Apostles' Creed and also with singing, but also with our offerings. And so by giving back some of what God has entrusted to us, we hope in a small way to participate in this rhythm of giving and receiving that God has set us on. When we're uh, doing our offering, we're doing it in a couple ways. We're not passing baskets at this moment, but you can give by dropping off checks uh, in the box in the front or by donating online um, or by dropping, dropping them off during the week. Having done so, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, self-giving, self-emptying God, we ask that you would open our eyes to all the riches of the glories of Jesus that you have lavished upon us. You would also open our hands to see what we can give back out of freedom to you, trusting that there is more than enough, and that you would take the things that we give gladly and freely to you and use them to build up your church and to make your name more visible to our community and around the world. We pray this in your name. Amen. Friends, would you rise in body or in spirit? Let's sing.
Brothers and sisters, this is the community of those who proclaim together that God has made it well between us and Him, and that even now He is making it well with our soul and between each other. Let's proclaim that good news of our faith together in the Apostles' Creed. Let's say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. There he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of our sins, resurrection of the body, and life Friends gathered into God's presence, you are blessed, reminded, encouraged that God has turned his face towards you. He will not change his mind. Would you open your hands and receive God's parting blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen. Let's go singing. gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to Him. And that strange and divine, I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. With every breath 
I long to follow Jesus, for he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day, I know he will renew me until I stand with joy about the throne. To this I hope. Peace to serve God. Have a great day.